0: amen all right so um last week we spent some time talking about for our christmas uh, sunday school talking about the spirit world and we talked about the types of spiritual beings um what were some of the things that really stood out to you guys maybe some things that you've never really thought about before that you learned that was just kind of like huh never thought about that before and maybe something that even challenged you to think a little bit differently what do we got let's do a little bit of review. Yes, you never knew that God's throne had wheels and that it can move. Yep. 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 Never knew there was an angel nation. Okay, so angels representing each nation, which we're going to talk more about today. Yep. What else we got? Yep. It's okay. You're forgiven. Yes. So the different, uh, the cherubim and the, and the faces that they have. Yep. Yep. Yep, about him and his role <clears throat> especially over the nation of Israel. Anything else? I just thought it'd be really I thought it was really cool how like he drew like the list of like top creatures like God then the that was Satan and then like kept going down, but humans were still ahead of Michael, which is like the most powerful angel. Yeah. And so I thought that like I don't think we necessarily powerful in his body probably not. Mm-hmm. But like when we like Yeah, yeah, because technically, I mean, the Bible says the angels are greater in power and might, but yet they've been put underneath us as far as the hierarchy goes. Uh, They were made to serve the Lord, but also to serve the saints of God, which is quite interesting, which is, I don't know, it's one of those things you really don't really think about. Yeah. But here's the other side, kind of going off that, so we'll hit this and then we'll, we'll kind of keep moving through there. So we mentioned this a little bit last week because we talked about how, all right, so We'll do it this way. Alright, so we talked about how obviously overall is God, right? And so then uh, you have the Trinity Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then underneath God in the hierarchy you had Lucifer, which obviously after he fell became Satan. And then you have mankind, okay? So the reason why it, it works this way, and this is something that really kind of helped me whenever I'm trying to understand the Bible, and, and especially when we get into the hierarchy of stuff. So there's God and his Trinity, and you have the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. So Father, then you have the Son, and then you have the Holy Spirit. All right? So you have that Trinity right there, okay? So you have Lucifer, and his name out of Ezekiel 28 was called what? What what was he called? He was the anointed cherub. Anointed cherub. Oh, someone left the cap off. It's probably my daughter. Anointed. He was anointed. All right. This is very important. Very important, because after being anointed, and then we saw in Isaiah 14, he's is anointed. He also has a throne. throne. He has a throne, which means he has a kingdom and has dominion, and that kingdom. It took place before Adam and even existed. And so once Lucifer fell and became Satan, he lost his anointed status. He lost his kingdom because God pronounced judgment upon his kingdom. And so when mankind showed up and you have Adam, Adam is the guy who's now anointed. He's now the guy that's anointed. And so in a way, he becomes king of the earth. So Adam is actually the first king as far as mankind is concerned. You had Lucifer. He was a king over God's creation. And you have Adam, who was a king over God's creation. But once Adam sinned and fell, he gave some of that authority back to Lucifer, now Satan. And that's why he's called the God of this world. And in Matthew chapter four, it says, all the kingdoms of the world belong to me when he offered them to Jesus. Remember that in Matthew chapter four? Well, the reason why they belonged to him was because Adam fell, because they belonged to Adam. So he relinquished his right to be the king of the earth to Lucifer when he fell into sin in the garden. That really helps me in my mind. And that's why he has that dominion and that authority. But this is also why when you have the son and in uh, Romans, it talks about how he is the second Adam. And he's also called the anointed because he's the Messiah. And one day when he comes back and takes the earth by force, he is going to be king over all the earth okay so that helps me in my mind when i'm trying to understand how god is working and how the hierarchy works and, and throughout history you have god he created everything but he wanted to give his creation to someone to watch over and to rule over and the first person was lucifer and he was the anointed cherub he had a throne he fell into sin so he gave it to adam adam fell into sin, so that relinquished it to lucifer but then when christ showed up who's the anointed messiah who's going to be the king over all the earth it says that he came to destroy the works of the devil and this was one of those works that he came to destroy so does all that make sense that's a lot to chew on early sunday morning but that's something that will really help you as you try to understand the bible a little bit all right So we talked about the spiritual beings. We talked about how God is a spiritual being. We talked about the angel of the Lord, which is the pre-incarnate Jesus Christ in the Old Testament. We talked about how they're a cherubim and they cover and surround God's throne. And we talked about how there's five that appear in the Bible. After the fall of Lucifer, you only find four. And you can read about those in Ezekiel chapter 10, in chapter one, Revelation chapter four, Um, And then Ezekiel 20 talks about how Lucifer is that uh, fifth cherub, but he's the anointed cherub that covered the throne of God. And then we talked about how each cherub represents the various classes of created creatures. You got the lion, which is the wild beast class, the calf, which is the domesticated beast class, man, which is mankind class, uh, eagle, the winged beast class, serpent. And that would be the fifth one, which is why the devil is called the serpent in the garden uh, because he represented that that, uh, class of creatures as well. And we spend some time talking about how that's why the devil in 2 Corinthians chapter 11 has the ability to change his appearance because he has four different faces, the lion, the calf, the man, the eagle, the calf also being what? We spend some time talking about that one, which is the what? The face, face of the cherub and also the face of the ox, ox which is goes back to Baal worship and just ancient history with that kind of stuff, that's where you find all that all that. And then we also talked about how that correlates to um his whole uh scheme of trying to steal worship away from God. And then we spent some time talking about the seraphim and how they're positioned above God's throne and they serve in like a priest like role of purification in Isaiah chapter six. Uh, We talked about Michael, the archangel, and how he's one of the chief princes. And we talked a little bit about the hierarchy there, which we'll get into more to today. Um, Angels, how they just serve God in various capacities. We talked about Satan; he is a spiritual being that before his fall, Lucifer was named the anointed cherub and was second in command of all that God created. Then we talked a little bit about devils. We'll get into them a little bit today. They are evil spirits that serve at the bidding of Satan, and they have supernatural abilities and have the ability to possess humans, idols, and other creatures. And they cause those they possess to have various diseases and handicaps, which you can read very clearly in the Gospels. That's just a couple of accounts in Mark chapter 5 and Matthew chapter 12 and 17. And then, um, oh, here's a reference for you if you want to write it down, but where it talks about how uh, devils are involved with idols is 1 Corinthians 10. 1 Corinthians 10, 19 and 20. Um, that might be something if you don't have it on your guys's sheet, you might want to write down. Um, But that's quite interesting, too, where it talks about those that sacrifice to idols, they actually sacrifice to devils. So that's why we do not, when it comes to idol worship, you know, when people worship Mary and they bow down to idols and to images and to pictures, that's why we do not do that. Because the Bible says that when people do that, they're actually sacrificing, they're worshiping devils, because there's devils behind those things. And that's why I also believe, you know, the different stories of different statues and pictures that they seem to cry blood. I think that is legitimate some of it might be a hoax but i think some of it is legitimate and it's devils working behind those things to make that happen so that's just my take on it and then lastly man man was created in the image of god man and woman are spiritual beings that reside in an earthly, earthy body similar to the incarnate lord jesus christ after death the soul spirit of each man and woman will reside in heaven or hell waiting for their new body and that's kind of where we left it last week all right so Now let's talk about the hierarchy. And as we talk about this, as I've said before, if you've got questions and you need some clarification or there's just something that you're thinking about as we're working through this, please, please raise your hand and we will talk about that particular question. All right. So the hierarchy in the spirit world. All right. So first of all, we're going to talk about God's hierarchy. And then secondly, we're going to be talking about Satan's counterfeit hierarchy. All right. So first of all here, God's hierarchy. So first of all, obviously you have God. You have God. And then in the spirit world, you have the archangel, and that would be Michael. That, that place, as far as in the spiritual world, belonged to Lucifer. Um, but once he fell into sin, he kind of gave up that position. And then it was assumed by Jesus Christ when he became the second Adam after Adam fell, like we just talked about. Uh, but the second really in command, I guess you can say within the spirit world, would be the archangel Michael. And he's called the Prince of Israel, the Prince of Israel. And we talked a little bit about the whole prince concept, but we're going to get into more of that. Turn to Daniel chapter 10, and I'll show you exactly what I'm talking about there. Daniel chapter 10. Daniel chapter 10. Daniel chapter 10. All right. So you have the archangel Michael. He's called the prince of Israel. And then that leads us to our next point with angels. And their purpose is to minister and serve the Lord in whatever capacity that God chooses. And we're going to talk about some of those capacities here in these next few points. So first of all, in how they serve God, is that number one there, you've got princes that represent and defend nations. So one of the roles of some of the angels is to represent and defend different nations. So in Daniel chapter 10, this is one of those rare chapters in the Bible that God kind of pulls back the veil of uh, the, re- the the just the reality of the spiritual world, and you can see some things in here that typically you wouldn't see. Like when you're reading through uh, passages in Genesis, you know, and you're talking about Joseph, you don't see the spirit world. When you are reading different passages in like Philippians and Colossians, you hear Paul talking about spiritual warfare and, and different things in the spirit world, but you don't see it happening. And so Daniel chapter 10 and chapter 11 is one of those rare chapters where God kind of peels back and he allows Daniel to see what's going on in the spirit world and to hear some things specifically from Gabriel. All right, so in Daniel chapter 10, um, you have, uh, he sees the pre-incarnate Jesus Christ. Uh, Daniel does in, in verse five, it says, then I lifted up mine eyes and looked and behold a certain man clothed in linen whose loins were, go- were girded with fine gold of Uphaz, His body also is like the barrel and his face as the appearance of lightning and his eyes as lamps of fire and his arms and his feet like in color to polished brass and the voice of his words like the voice of a multitude. This is the exact Same description you find of Jesus Christ in Revelation chapter 1. And then it says uh, in verse 9, Yet I heard the voice of his words, and when I heard the voice of his words, then was I in a deep sleep on my face, and my face toward the ground. And behold, a hand touched me, which set me upon my knees and upon the palms of my hands. And he said unto me, O Daniel, a man greatly beloved, understand the words that I speak unto thee, and stand upright. For unto thee am I now sent, And when he had spoken this word unto me, I stood trembling. Then said he unto me, Fear not, Daniel, for from the first day that thou didst set thine heart to understand, and to chasten thyself before thy God, thy words were heard, and I am come for thy words. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me one and twenty days, but lo, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, and I remained there with the kings of Persia. Now am I come to make thee understand what shall befall thy people in the latter days, for yet the vision is for... Many days. Now, what's interesting about what he says here is that Daniel, it says in verse 2 of the same chapter, that in those days I, Daniel, was in mourning three full weeks. How many days is that? Three full weeks? 21. 21. And then you see Gabriel speaking here, and he says, I, am, I was sent unto thee from the, first, from the first day, verse 12, from the first day that thou didst set thine heart to understand, and I am come for thy words. And then it says in verse 13, but the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me one in 20 days, but lo, Michael, one of the chief princes came to help me and I remained there with the kings of Persia. So this is quite interesting. So Daniel begins to pray and he prays to God for understanding. The moment Daniel prays, God says, Gabriel, go. So Gabriel goes and his role is to give Daniel understanding. But then Gabriel is then resisted. He's resisted by who? the prince of persia the prince of persia this is actually lucifer in the bible the prince of persia and so he resists him so lucifer is trying to stop gabriel from getting to daniel to give daniel understanding about god's words so sometimes this is just a just a small devotional application sometimes when we pray we feel like nothing's happening right sometimes when we pray we feel like nothing's happening Sometimes nothing's happening because of spiritual warfare. Sometimes. Because it appears as if the unseen world, Lucifer, and the people that follow him, or not the people, but the fallen angels and the other devils, they try to interfere with God trying to help us, to give us understanding, to give us wisdom. So that is totally possible. So sometimes you have unanswered prayers because of supernatural interference. That's what it says, right? If we're going to believe the Bible, that's what it says. So sometimes that happens, but he's called the prince of Persia. And so then it talks about Michael, one of the chief princes. And we spent some time talking about it at the end of this chapter. Take a look at verse uh, 20. He says, then said he, knowest thou, wherefore I come unto thee? And now I will return to fight with the prince of Persia. And when I am gone forth, lo, the prince of Grisha shall come. But I will show thee that which is noted in the scripture of truth, that there is none that holdeth with me in these things, but Michael your prince so michael is called his specific prince and we know that he is the prince over the nation of israel because look at chapter 12 chapter 12 of daniel it says in verse 1 of chapter 12 and at that time shall michael stand up the great prince which standeth for the children of thy people and there shall be a time of trouble such as never was since there was a nation even to that same time and at that time, thy people shall be delivered, everyone that shall be found written in the book. So Michael is the prince that stands for the nation of Israel. But here, at the end of chapter 10, you find out that the devil, the prince of Persia, there's also a prince of Grisha. So it appears as if angels have this, uh, I guess, a, a hierarchy. And here specifically talks about the, the um, you know Lucifer and, and his hierarchy. But we know that he counterfeits God's hierarchy of things. So angels, they stand over nations to protect and to defend michael protected and defended the nation of israel and he stepped in to help gabriel get through so that way gabriel could get to daniel to give daniel what god wanted him to know yeah okay, so michael's the highest angel is this one of the chiefs is there like more archangels or are they just angels well there's only one archangel in the bible specifically and it'd be michael but michael's called one of the chief princes okay. so i'm assuming that there are other ones other chief princes now i don't know exactly how that would work Yes. Absolutely. Yeah, because it says that in Revelation, that he's still protecting um them. In fact, um let's see here. I think I might have that in here. Um Yeah, I think we get to that a little bit later. Yeah, take a look at this. Go to Revelation twelve. It's in Revelation twelve. So hold your spot in Daniel and go to Revelation twelve. If you didn't hold it, forget about it. It's fine. Go to Revelation twelve. <clears throat> So Revelation 12 is uh, one of the chapters in um, Revelation that's specifically about the nation of Israel, and um, which is no coincidence because the number 12 represents what? Filtraps. traps, Israel. And so Revelation 12 goes right in with that. And you have here the nation of Israel uh, giving birth to the Messiah and the great red dragon wanting to kill the child, but before he can kill the child, he ascends up into heaven. So it's talking about Jesus here. So in the midst of all that, you have in verse five, and she brought forth a man child, there's Jesus, who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron and her child was caught up unto God and to his throne. And the woman, Israel, fled into the wilderness where she had the place prepared of God that they should feed her there 1,203 score days. So there is going to be, so you have the Antichrist during the tribulation. That's what's talking about here in verse six. And the nation of Israel, God has prepared a place in the wilderness For the nation of Israel, for the people that truly love the Messiah, to go, the remnant will go out to a place in the wilderness where God will supernaturally protect them from the persecution of the Antichrist. And God will feed them there until Christ shows up. And so that's what it says in verse 6. But then it says in verse 7 And there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon. And the dragon fought and his angels, and prevailed not neither was their place found anymore in heaven. And the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil and Satan, which is the whole world. He was cast out into the earth and his angels were cast out with him. And so there's, this, there's a, something that occurs during the tribulation where there is a, a battle that takes place out in space, where Michael and the angels fight against the devil and his angels and the devil and his angels lose. And because they lose that battle, they are now thrown to the earth and they can no longer go out into outer space. Now they are are captive within the atmosphere of the earth. And that's why it says later in this same chapter in verse 12, therefore rejoice ye heavens and ye that dwell in them, woe to the inhabitants of the earth and to the sea for the devil is come down unto you having great wrath because he knoweth that he hath but a short time. So now that he's held captive to the atmosphere of the earth, now he's just going to let loose and he is just going to tear this earth into pieces and try to destroy God's people until there's none left. So God has to supernaturally protect the nation of Israel out in the wilderness in order for them to survive. So, yep, he's still fighting for the nation of Israel. All right. So uh, it seems as if based on what we see in Daniel 10 and 11, that they're the angels serve as princes that represent and defend nations. Um, This one's kind of cool. Go to Matthew 18 Matthew 18. A lot of people use this passage to say that people have guardian angels. It's not exactly how it's worded here, um, but it is quite interesting. Matthew 18, verse 10. Angels also serve as representatives for children. Children is your blank there for that one. Number two. Angels serve as representatives for children. Matthew 18, 10. So i want to read that one. Go ahead, Noah. Take to you that in heaven there are angels do always behold the face of my father. Okay, so if we're going to believe what that says, in heaven their angels, these little ones, children, do always behold the face of my father which is in heaven. So, it has the appearance that each angel four children stand in the presence of God and are kind of like a representative of that child to God. I think that's quite interesting, especially with, I mean, there's nothing, I mean, there are very few things that I despise in this world, and they cause me just great anger. But when I see children being abused, it causes me great anger. So I'm not surprised that God would have an angel standing over each child, representing them before his presence. I think that's kind of cool. Kind of shows you how much God really cares for children. I like that. I like that. Uh, Angels also serve as representatives for Local churches. Local churches. In Revelation chapter 1, go ahead and turn there. Revelation 1. So angels represent nations and at times defend those nations. Angels represent children before God the Father in heaven. Angels also are representatives for local churches. Revelation 1 in verse 20. The mystery of the seven stars which thou sawest in my right hand and the seven golden candlesticks. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches and the seven candlesticks which thou sawest are the seven churches. Chapter 2, verse 1. Under the angel of the church of Ephesus, write. Look at verse 8. And under the angel of the church in Smyrna, write. And then take a look at verse 12. And under the angel of the church in Pergamos, and it just keeps going. 18, Thyatira has an angel. Uh, chapter 3, verse 1, Sardis has an angel. Uh, chapter uh, 3, verse 7, Philadelphia has an angel. Verse 14, the Laodicean church has an angel. So not only does is there an angel that watches over each period of church history, <coughs> like we're going through on Wednesday night, we've been talking <coughs> about how Laodicea has a church period history that started around 1900. There's an angel that watches over that church period, but there are angels that watch over each individual church. So that also means that we have an angel that is specifically representing the First Baptist Church of Jackson and stands before God. Never thought about that before, but it's true. There's an angel that stands over the church out in Finley to defend it, to take care of it, to represent it before God. It's kind of interesting. Well, I mean, it's one of those things where I'm sure that they're, you know, I mean, yeah. I mean, if they're preaching the Bible. But, I mean, I think if there's if there's a guy who's leading the church who is of God, who loves God, who's born again, who's the pastor of that church, I believe there would be an angel representing them um, and representing that church specifically. Like, I've been told before, like, you can get saved in, like, a non mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. So, would there be an angel protecting them after Potentially. The Potentially. As we're going to see in a minute, I think, you know, there are, God's angels are representing, like, nations. But then you have the devil and his fallen angels that represent nations, too. So I believe that there are, you know, there's, there's the, the counterfeit hierarchy has a, a force that is attacking it all the time. So I believe that the devil also has an angel, a fallen angel, that is trying to get at this church at the same time. So each church could potentially have two opposing angels that are trying to, you know, sway and defend and attack and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Right, good? Alright. So there's local churches. I think quite interesting. Um, in uh, let's take take a look at two two passages here. Um, let's go to oh I'll have someone go to Acts twelve fifteen. Acts twelve fifteen. Go ahead, Jack, you can go there. Everybody else go to Luke sixteen. Luke sixteen. All right, so the Bible also seems to teach us that there are angels that represent God's people. They're representatives for God's people. Luke 16. (laughs) All right, so Acts 12.15. So this is where uh, Peter was in prison, and then if you remember, he was in a deep sleep, and he was in the third ward, And um, there was uh, an earthquake, and then his shackles fell, and an angel came in and actually had to smack him on the side in order to wake him up and then lead him through and opened up all the gates until he led outside. And there were people that were praying for Peter and praying for his release and praying for his protection. And so he went to that house. Remember that story in in Acts chapter 12? All right, so listen to Acts 12 and verse 15. And they said unto her, thou art man. Then said they, it is, it is his angel. Okay. Now, why would the Bible say that? They didn't believe that it was legitimately Peter standing at the door. They're like, no, 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 he's in prison. It's just his angel. Now, could it be sarcastic? Maybe. But it says that he has an angel. All right. So I don't know. It possibly could mean that. It's one of those things that we just don't, we're not very definitive on, but it appears that that might be the case. And then in Luke 16, I think this is quite interesting. Um, you have the rich man and Lazarus, and they both died in verse 22, and it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. So angels carried Lazarus to Abraham's bosom, but angels did not carry the rich man It says, he also died and was buried, and in hell he lifted up his eyes. So I think that's quite interesting. You know, I think about, whenever I see stuff like this, I think about my cousin. I think about my cousin that died of cancer. I think about my grandpa when I saw him die. I was in the, uh, uh, we were in the ER at that time, um, or it may have been the ICU. um, But anyway, I remember when they pulled the plug, and I watched my grandpa take his last breath. And I think about stuff like this, and I think about, as soon as he died, angels carried my grandpa to heaven. I just think that's cool. That brings great comfort to me think about my cousin when he died of cancer that brings great comfort to me and so whether or not my grandpa had a specific angel that was watching over him and then when he died then he took him home maybe you know that's kind of what it seems to appear based on acts 12 that we might have an angel that watches over your life to protect you at times i mean there's sometimes that things you have no idea how sometimes god is protecting you sometimes when i pray I pray and I thank God for the things that he protects me from that I don't even know about because we have no idea. We have no idea. So I think that's kind of cool. And then number five, angels also carry out the judgments of God. You've got the 12th plague in Egypt, um, which actually when you read it in in Exodus chapter 12, it really appears that it was Jesus himself that was that death angel that went through the town and took the firstborn Um, because it says God himself would go through. I think that's interesting. Uh, The slaughter of the Assyrians in Isaiah 37, one angel destroyed like 200 and some thousand soldiers at one moment. I mean, talk about strength and power right there, right? The tribulation trumpet and vials in Revelation 8 and 9 and in chapter 16, the angels carry out those things for the Lord. We've already talked a little bit about how messengers, the angels are messengers to deliver information to people. You got Gabriel in Daniel 9 and in Daniel 10. Um, And then there's innumerable companies of angels that carry out the various other tasks for God. Um, And that would be Hebrews 12, Hebrews 1, and a few other places. So in a very simplified form, that's kind of God's hierarchy of the spiritual world and how angels and their different functions. There's probably a lot more, but these are just some of the big ones that I pulled out. All right, any questions about that before we move on? All right, okay, good deal. All right, right, so Satan's counterfeit hierarchy— Okay, go to ephesians 6 ephesians 6 all right so the devil is not smart enough to invent something new what he does is he is the great the great counterfeiter he is the great counterfeiter and as the great counterfeiter he's going to counterfeit the best and who's the best Jesus, Yes, the standard Sunday school answer. Yes, Jesus is the best. God is the best. And so when it comes to God, he knows he can't do better than God, that he will be like God. That's what it says in Isaiah 14. Remember what it says? At the very end of the I wills, the five I wills, I will be like the most high. Now, if the devil is able to be like the most high, then he will usurp God's authority and he will win. Right? Because God's the top dog. There's no one that can get any better than him, any higher than him, anything. But if he can prove God wrong, then God is no longer perfect, and that gives Lucifer a chance to actually rule and reign. And that's his goal. That's been his goal since the very beginning, is to make God a liar. And that's why he's always constantly trying to counterfeit and, and really counter the plans of God in your life and in human history. All right, so as the counterfeit hierarchy, because he, he takes God's hierarchy and he just counterfeits it. So he just mirrors it after the same thing. That's why you also have the Christ. And then the Bible calls uh, the devil's Christ, the antichrist. So it looks like him, it mirrors him, but there's some things that are off. And that's why in churches, it's very difficult sometimes because you can walk into a church and you can hear sermons and you can be like, sounds good, but there's just something that's off. Okay. Okay. That's exactly why he's good at what he does. The whole point of a counterfeit is to make it look so much like the original that people are fooled into believing that it is. That's the whole point. And so the devil, that's what he's going to do. He's going to take God's hierarchy and he's going to copy it and make it his own. And so the first thing here is that he has a counterfeit trinity. He's got a counterfeit trinity. And we're going to talk about that in a minute. But in Ephesians 6, it says in verse 12, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. So this, this whole principality, powers, rulers, spiritual weakness, wickedness in high places, that is the hierarchy of the devil. Go to Revelation 16. Revelation 16. Revelation 16. So the first thing that Satan counterfeits is the Trinity, because if he's going to be like the Most High, he has to have a counterfeit of it. And so the counterfeit Trinity is the devil being like the Father, the Antichrist being like Christ, and the false prophet being like who? The Holy Spirit of God. In Revelation 16, in verse 30, take a look at this. This is quite interesting. There is no 30. I got the wrong verse written down. How about that? All right, let's see here. 13. 13? 1330? Yes, probably. Let me see. No, 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 not that one. There's one specifically that I wanted to, it, it might be verse 30. Let me see here. Uh, I need, we need to read this one. Even if I have to find it, I'll find it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All right, I'm gonna find it. Okay, give me a second. Cause this one, you've got to see this one. So my bad for the typo, but I am gonna find it. All right. Sixteen, thirteen. I was just one. It's just seven verses off. Not that bad. Okay, sixteen. 17 off. All right, all right. Take a look at this. Okay, so um. All right, and I saw three unclean spirits. This is chapter 16, verse 13. Three unclean spirits like frogs come out of the mouth of the dragon. So they all come out of the dragon, and the dragon is the false type of? God the Father. God the Father. Now think about this. If you go back to John 13, 14, 15, 16, who sent Jesus? God. Who sent the Spirit? God and? Jesus. Okay. So in the same way that God the Father dispatched the Son and the Spirit to do their work, the same, the devil, the dragon, dispatches his Trinity to do their work. Okay? So it says, there are three unclean spirits like frogs that came out of the mouth of the dragon and out of the mouth of the beast and out of the mouth of the false prophet. For they are the spirits of devils working miracles which go forth unto the kings of the earth and of the whole world to gather them to the battle of that great day of God Almighty. So you have the dragon, the beast, and the false prophet all spreading their gospel out to different kings in the world through these spirits of the devils. All right, so there's the false trinity there too. Go to Revelation 20. Just a few books over, or few chapters over. Chapter 20. And verse 10. And the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are and they shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. All right, so there's the false trinity. So you have the counterfeit trinity and they do their work throughout the entire earth. And then you've got fallen angels. Their purpose is to minister and to serve the devil in any capacity permitted. And we've already spent some time talking about Daniel uh, chapter 10 in verse 13 and verse 20, how you have the prince of Persia and the prince of Grecia. So they are princes that represent nations as well. Number two, those that kept not their first estate to corrupt the seed of humanity. Now, this one's a deep one. (laughs) I wish we had time to go into this one, but we really don't. But I will show you this. Go to Genesis 6. Genesis 6. And I'm just going to briefly touch this one. This could be a whole lesson in itself. So I have to refuse the temptation to get into the details of this. All right. Genesis 6, verse 1. And it came to pass when men began to multiply on the face of the earth, and daughters were born unto them, that the sons of God, sons of God, when you cross-reference sons of God with Job 1 and verse 6, Job 2 and verse 1, Job 38 and verse 7, and a few other places, you find out the sons of God is a phrase for angels, okay? Angels. And then it's also a phrase for people that are born again, and that's that's another thing for another day. All right. The sons of God saw the daughters of men that they were fair, and they took them wives of all which they chose. And the Lord said, My spirit shall not always strive with man, for that he also is flesh, yet his days shall be a hundred and twenty years. There were giants in the earth in those days, and also after that, when the sons of God came in unto the daughters of men, and they bare children to them, the same became mighty men which were of old, men of renown. So angels left their first estate to take on human form to interbreed with women to create giants. That's exactly what the Bible just says. And they were men of old, men of renown. This is where I believe you have some of the Roman and Greek mythology stuff like Hercules and different things like that where they're like half God, half man. I think that's where all this stuff comes from. Straight out of scripture. Because they were men of old, men of renown. But look at this. This is interesting. And God saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually, and repented of the Lord that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him at his heart. And the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast, and the creeping thing, and the fowls of the air, for it repenteth me that I have made man. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Now look at verse 9. These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a just man, perfect in his generations, and Noah walked with God. Three reasons why Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Number one, he was just, which means that he was blameless. If he did something wrong, he called himself on it, he admitted it, he repented, and he got right with God. Number two, he was perfect in his generations. What is generations? Your ancestry, your physical lineage, your DNA perfect in his generations not corrupted by angelic beings that left their first estate and noah walked with god the flood occurred because angels started breeding with women and that was one of devils the devil's plan to destroy god's plan to bring the second adam got it i mean it makes perfect sense when you think about it god created adam told him to be fruitful multiply create a planet filled with men and women that worship and glorify god lucifer who's now satan is ticked wants to corrupt that seed i'm going to corrupt that seed and once i do now i will have dominion god says well i'm not done yet and he promises a messiah in genesis 3:15. so then what is lucifer satan now going to do i need to corrupt that seed If I don't corrupt that seed, the Messiah is going to come, and I will be out. Got it? This is the whole theme of the Bible, and you can see it all the way through. So what's the best way for Satan to corrupt mankind's seed? Tell his angels, go and start breeding with women. Because if you start breeding with women, now we're going to produce these giants that people are going to worship. They're going to love them. They're going to give them honor and glory. They'll be like the stars, 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 Just chew on that one a little bit. Celebrities, stars. And people will worship them. And as they worship them, then God's whole seed and his whole plan can be completely and totally destroyed. Okay. All right. I'll leave that. All right? Because otherwise we would be there for a long time and we're already out of time. All right. So fallen angels, those that kept not their first state to corrupt the seed of humanity. And then number three, forces that contend with Michael and the other angels. And we already talked about that in Revelation chapter 12. All right. Lastly, and this is a huge nugget too, so I wish I had more time to get into this, but you're just going to have to chew on this one. All right, so devils. Devils are evil spirits that have the ability to possess creatures. We see that in Luke chapter 8 and a few other places in the gospel. It appears that they have a shape uh, that appears about the size of a bird, and you can actually uh, take a look at that when it comes to Matthew 13, uh, Matthew 13 verse um, 4, verse 19, and compare that with Revelation 18 as well. And they are represented in in similitude by unclean birds in scriptures. Their origin is not disclosed by the Bible. All right. So they are about the size of a bird. And this is the kind of the opposite or the the counterfeit part of the Holy Ghost. Because the Holy Ghost in Luke chapter 3 and verse 22, it says that it descended upon Jesus, the bodily shape as of a dove, like unto a dove. It's interesting that in Genesis... Chapter 8, 7 through 12, when Noah, is the floods are descending, he sends out two birds. What does he send? Raven, a black, unclean raven and a dove. Okay? Which one returns? The dove. Because the raven, you know what it eats? Flesh. There's plenty of flesh for it to consume on. That's why it's an unclean bird. Doves don't eat that. They don't eat that kind of stuff. So that's why it came back. It came back until it could find a place to rest its foot till there was vegetation for it to actually create a nest and start having other birds, okay? Very, very similar to the spiritual world. So he sends out those two. And Revelation 18 talks about how devils are like unclean fowls, unclean birds. Matthew 13 talks about the parable of the soils and how unclean birds, devils, steal away the, the seed that is sown in men's hearts. And their origin is not really disclosed by the Bible. And I'm not going to say my theory on it. You can talk to me about it later um, because it's, it's a big one and we're already out of time. Okay. All right, so here's the conclusion. Here's the conclusion. The Bible teaches us that the unseen world is more real than the world which we see every day because the seen is temporal and the unseen is eternal. Therefore, we ought to be very cognizant of the unseen world so that we can live righteously and soberly in this present temporal world. If we choose to be ignorant, God will not get the glory that he deserves. And that's why we wanted to spend a couple of weeks talking about the spirit world all right that's it so pretty interesting stuff huh i love this kind of stuff call me weird but the bible is fascinating it is fascinating we're getting into some more interesting stuff in the weeks to come all right let's pray god thank you so much for your word it is amazing and i pray that we would dive into just the treasures that you give us and that we would not take it for granted that we'd always hold on to your book and that we would let it just be the, our window into our reality and into the, the unseen world that, that you say is more real than the world that we see every single day. So help us, because it's just so easy for us to stay focused on the seen world. It's easy just to focus on our our here and now, rather than the then and there. And so I pray, God, you just change our perspective and help us, because we need you. And thank you for protecting us as a church, as a people. Uh, even as, you know, what talks about angels representing children, even as we were children. Thank you for that. And, um, and so, God, I pray that you would just give us wisdom. Help us to hear the things you want us to hear. I know we're going to be doing communion here um, in the main service. So I pray, God, that we would just take some time to really examine ourselves before you and, and to really get right with you. Um, so, God, we love you. Thank you for this year. I pray that we would have a great next year and that we stay focused on the right things. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.